Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. Family Matters series. We are discussing family matters, if you didn't quite get that. We uh, heard last week from Steve about the indispensable family, and today we're going to go into more specifically the relationship between husband and wife. One thing I did want to point out, and in my notes here, is I wanted to address those that are here that are single. This, This is a series for you as well. And I don't want you to disconnect. I don't want you to disengage. I don't want you to miss. We are going to have a message specifically about singleness. But you all are part of a family. You all know husbands and wives and people. And you are a benefit. You are an asset to this congregation and to them. And one thing I would encourage you, as I've talked to many of you, is don't just hang out with single people all the time. One thing I did uh, was I found healthy people. When I found people, when I saw families, because I came from a family that was a little to the left more than probably to the right. And so when I saw people that kind of were working it pretty well, their kids seemed semi-normal. I could stand to be around them for more than five minutes. Um, I'm like, I want to hang out with you. I want to know the secret to the mystery. And so I hung out with them, and I, I learned Lots of things that I had missed out on uh, just because in my childhood, again, there was some, some issues there. So I just want to encourage you to, to engage, take notes, don't miss a sermon, um, and, and uh, yeah, you'll be blessed. Let me go ahead and uh, open in prayer, and we'll, we'll get started here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are here in our midst. I thank you for the amazing testimonies and just that we've heard the encouragement for our time of worship, Lord, just to acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. God, as we sang today, we surrender. We surrender to you, to your will. And God, I ask you, Lord, to use this message to speak to our hearts, to help us, Father God, to understand uh, your will and your plan for marriage and how that's supposed to work out between husband and wife. God, I ask you to use uh, me today, Lord, as uh, your vessel to speak your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to need a bit of, as I say sometimes, a running start towards this message. We're going to have to get some momentum to get into it. Uh, So if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And the message title for today is Marriage from I Do to What Do I Do Now? Many of you can laugh because it's appropriate. You... Many of you probably have a, a wedding photo, and depending on how long ago that was, for some of us, or for many of us, we probably look very different in that photo, don't we? Maybe we were thinner. Maybe we had less wrinkles. Uh, probably had these aspirations of, of raising these little angels, which all came crashing down at some point, didn't it? Reality hits pretty quickly. Uh, some of us sooner than others. 
some of you, maybe the day after the wedding, you're like, oh my goodness, what did I do? But as we know, you work through those things and, and it's, it is work. Actually, that's, that's incorrect. It is a lot of work to be married. Can everyone say amen to that? It's okay if we all say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Amen. All right? Husbands and wives, yes. It is a lot of work. You put two people together that are around each other all the time. Many people, as we say, opposites attract. So that's challenging, isn't it? It is a challenge. Amen. And it's okay. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be hard work. But the benefits are amazing. If you stick it out and you work together and you serve each other and you grow together, uh, the benefits can be wonderful. And a marriage can be wonderful. And the good news today is that there is help for our marriage if we are willing to accept it. If we are willing to accept it is the key word and phrase there. God wants to help us in our marriage, and he does so primarily through his word. We have been blessed because we've been given this. All right? Relationships are important. People are important. Getting wise counsel is important. But if you didn't start at this place, then you've skipped a step. You've skipped a step. Many of the answers to our problems in life are in the Word of God. That's why we have the Word of God. You don't lead with going to somebody and saying, Hey, you talk to God. You hear from God. What is He saying? Now, again, there are people in my life and my, mine and Leanna's life that we go to when we have a situation where we're struggling with a decision or struggling with something in our marriage. There are people that we take counsel. But I promise you that it's after we have spent time in the Word of God. It's after we have spent time together on our knees in prayer. It's after all those things. Then we seek counsel because God speaks through His Word. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. God speaks through his word. God's word is true. God's word is true. It is infallible. Now, on that under, from that understanding, from my, that statement, I want you to understand that there are things in the Bible that are hard to understand. There are things in the Bible that I wish were not in the Bible. Oh, pastor, what are you talking about? There are things in there where I just wish it were different. I wish we could just go along with everybody else. But God has set a standard, hasn't he? Because he is God. He is creator and he knows best. God is God. And the word of God is true. And it, it will guide us and lead us, though it may be uh, difficult at times. We now begin from this premise Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. It says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father. Men, please take note of that. Your wives would like you to understand that statement. You will leave your father and mother. Don't be a mama's boy. All right? When you said at the wedding, you said, I do, not we do. Depending on where you're from, your mom might have been standing next to you. I don't know. You need to leave your family and be with your wife and lead and be married and have fun together. 
All right, you can still have a mom and dad interact with them, but you will leave father and mother and be joined to your wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. Most of us in here in your wedding ceremony probably have heard that. You probably had this during your ceremony, and that part where it says, therefore, let what God has joined together, man must not separate. That includes the two people in the marriage. Sometimes because of our backgrounds or where we come from, sometimes it can be challenging, and sometimes we can be self-destructive in our marriage. Sometimes we may not be acting or behaving in a way that is helping our marriage to grow. So, marriage is ordained by God. And what God has brought together, let no man separate. Into the main text now, Ephesians 5, verse 15. You're heading, the heading in your Bible, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian today. It, I think the ESV will be up, right? It'll be pretty close. But I like the heading here, and it says, Consistency in the Christian Life. And we're going to talk about that before we move into specifics about wives and husbands. So chapter 5, verse 15. Pay careful attention then how, or sorry, then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Here we have a contrast between wise and unwise. Between wise and unwise. We see the unwise, as it says, do not be as unwise people, but as wise. Unwise people, they don't bother to seek the Lord's will. Unwise people get physically full on wine, causing drunkenness, or physically full on anything that causes drunkenness. Try finding a wise person at a party. I know none of you have been to a party, so that's why you're all seriously staring at me right now. But if you ever go to a party where everybody's drunk... None of you have been there. It's not really the place that you seek wise counsel, in case you were wondering. Hey, you're drooling all over yourself and throwing up. Could you give me some advice on my marriage? No, that's not really what we lead with, is it? Okay? A foolish person or unwise person wastes time. Refer to previous point. <laughs> now, again, I'm not... I'm not preaching today that you can't drink any wine or anything like that, so don't, don't string me up for that, okay? What I'm saying, though, is being drunk with wine, wasting your time, because we, have, we are on mission here, church, and time is short. And an unwise person performs reckless actions. An unwise person performs reckless actions, and that can be in any way, in any shape, in many different things. 
Now, wise person, which is most of us in this place, we seek, know, and follow the Lord's will. Notice I said seek, know, and follow the Lord's will. Okay, it's one thing to seek and, and know the Lord's the will of God, but sometimes it doesn't fit into our agenda. Sometimes it doesn't fit into what we want to do, and but we are called to follow the will of God. Are we not? We need to make every moment count if we are called wise. Wise people walk according to the word of God. And wise people are spiritually full of the Holy Spirit. Verses 19 through 21. Making music from their hearts to the Lord with others. Are thankful in everything to God the Father. They are submitted to one another in fear of Christ. You notice a common denominator there is God is in every single one of those statements, aren't they? Isn't he? God is in every single aspect and every single area. And we are to be full of the Spirit. A church that is filled with the Spirit will be characterized by praise and thanksgiving to God. Beyond that, there will be evidence of self-control, mutual encouragement, and mutual submission, which is the opposite of rudeness, haughtiness, and self-assertion. Unfortunately, the last part of that statement happens far too often in the church. Sadly, many of us maybe can recount places in churches where we've seen rudeness, where we've seen haughtiness, and where we've seen self-assertion. And if you are ever in a church where you see people that are promoting themselves while stepping on other people, while pushing other people down, then that's, that's a problem. If you ever see that in this church, then please speak to me or Pastor Steve. That's one thing that we are very thankful for and what we hear from many people that come through these doors is the way that they're welcomed and they feel part of this, this congregation. Because we are not rude. We're not promoting ourselves. And so this verse 21 there, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. All right, we submit to one another. We walk with one another We've preached many times, I've preached and said many times that we're supposed to bury one another's burdens, aren't we? If I see sin in someone's life, we're supposed to challenge that. I'm supposed to say something. You're supposed to say something to each other, right? We're in this together. We're a family, and we're supposed to bury one another's burdens. So we submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, this verse is going to basically serve as a hinge as we step forward into what's next. I have in my notes here, in big, huge letters, warning, minefield ahead. We're going to go into a, some section and passage of scripture that is challenging. And I have wrestled. With it, not just this week, but my entire time of being married. And we have lived it and worked through it. And so I realize that it is a touchy subject. 
That's why I had us come to a place today where there was metal detectors downstairs. It's for my safety. <laughs> so hopefully nobody has anything large next to them that they can throw. I am sickly today, so have mercy. Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, and here we go. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Now, what I had said prior to that in verse 21 is this a hinge verse, meaning in your Bibles, I'm sure it reads pretty close to what I just said. But in the original Greek, where it says wives submit, that word submit isn't actually there. And when you go down to verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit, that submit is not there. What does that mean? Does that mean that somebody's playing a joke on us? No. This is part of interpretation of the original transcripts and manuscripts. And what it is, is that submit is placed there because in verse 22, because the verse prior, this verse, okay, 21, can you pull it up? 21, maybe. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay? That word submit there is in the original Greek, in the manuscripts. And so what this is saying is then the next verse, 22, would say, wives to your own husbands, basically the same to your own husbands as to the Lord. It is pulling on the same word submission from the verse prior, the way that you submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, let me just say some things. And again, I hope that you'll let me finish this because it's been, I have wrestled with this a lot. Some people will, will misinterpret verse 22 as the same kind of mutual submission to one another as they saw in the verse prior. But I've looked at the transcripts, I've read them, and there's nothing in there where the word mutual comes through. It's only the word submit. There's not a mutual submission. And some people will say, some couples will say, well, it's, this is a 50-50 marriage. Now, what I say, when I, I would say that in 50-50 marriage is a marriage where no one is leading. What do I mean by that? Is, is somebody less than somebody else? No, they're not less. But every, every, everywhere you look in the world, there's leaders, correct? There are leaders. It doesn't mean that somebody's less, but in 50-50 marriage, no one is leading, and what I have found, and I'm speaking from almost 16 years of experience, one of the biggest killers in this area is because there is a lack of communication. How is somebody supposed to follow? How is somebody supposed to lead when there is not communication in the marriage? If you think through your time, and it can be in any setting, whether it's work, whether it's on a, a sports team, whether it's in marriage, if someone is a good leader, they communicate what they are doing. They communicate what they are doing. And when you communicate, it allows those that are following to follow much easier. 
We need to communicate in our marriage. Even even you can take this and apply it to your work. If you're a leader, you need to communicate to those that are following you. I always liken it to the rope, right? I'm making this like here. I'm just moving this much with the rope. But if you're all the way out at the end, my movement like this will move you from here to here, right? And you move back and forth. Have you ever like water skied? I, yeah, and I water skied, and I, I actually was tubing behind a, a, a personal watercraft, a little one. That thing can turn on a dime, right? So it does this little turn, but what's happening to you at the end of the rope? You're holding on for dear life, aren't you? I was flopping all across the water because it's just spinning so fast because this thing turns this much, but I'm like this. And it's the same thing when you're a leader. Now, some objections to what I've said, or to this, not to what I've said, but what Scripture has said here, are are, are as follows. One, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, did not receive revelation from God. That this was just the time, of that the way things were at that time, or that he didn't hear from God. And I would caution you, and this is why I said what I said earlier, that the Word of God is true. When you start to peel even just the slightest bit away from it, you start to enter into dangerous, slippery ground. And like I said before, church, I get it. I get that things are different or that things are challenging in the word of God at times. But do not make the mistake that the word of God has to change to fit us. We are the ones that have to change. We are the ones that have to renew our minds. Okay? It's challenging, and it's hard. Another one is that Paul saw women as inferior. Listen, if you're in a marriage and your husband is leading, the wife is not, you are not, I'm speaking to you wives, you are not less than him. There are many examples of this. Your children are led by both of you, aren't they? Hopefully your children are following you, (laughs) depending on which day of the week. Are your children somehow less value because they follow you as their parents? Are they of less worth somehow? No, they're not, are they? They are valuable. Why? Because they're created in God's image. They're people. For my country, we have a president and we have a vice president. Is that vice president any less of a man or any less of a leader than the president? No. It's positional authority, isn't it? They function in their position. And probably the greatest example of all is the Trinity. Is the Trinity. God the Father is here. Is Jesus submitted to God the Father? He is. Look at the garden, right, when he's praying. Remember, we've, we talked about that a few weeks ago. What did he say? What does he say often? Lord, not, Lord God, not my will, but your will be done. What is he doing? He's submitting voluntarily to his authority. While he was God and is God, he is submitting positionally to God the Father, isn't he? Is Jesus less? No. No, he's not. 
nor is the Holy Spirit. But they have roles, don't they? They have roles to play. In Galatians, this is another an argument that some people will bring up. In Galatians 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, and there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Sounds like a pretty good argument, doesn't it? The problem here, and this is what happens many times, is people want to take things out of context. You can't just take a scripture and pull it out of context. What Paul was saying here in this whole section, if you read the whole uh, chapter, he is speaking about being justified by faith alone. That salvation is not for certain people. It is not just for the Jews. It is not just for men. But it's for everyone that we are all heirs to that promise. We preached on Galatians in our series, didn't we? Now, I don't know if you remember this, but we talked about this. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, that's great, isn't it? Because basically what he's saying is it doesn't matter if you are a woman or a man or a Jew or a Greek or a slave or free. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That means we are all adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. That's what that's speaking of. Now let's talk about this, this, word, this S word. Submit. Submit is what I'm talking about. Yeah, almost got awkward, didn't it? Submit. Now, again, as I said, and, and something you know I've already mentioned is it wasn't in the original manuscript in that thing. It doesn't mean that somebody did anything different. It's just for our understanding, so it's clear what this is speaking about. The definition in general is, is place, rank, or obeying. Okay? Place, rank, or obeying. I recently had the privilege of watching some rugby with some, some friends, and they were patient with this American guy, uh, learning what all these things are and what they do and what's actually happening. So there's, there's the big mob of guys, right? When they all get together, it's called a scrum, correct? Somebody? Okay, yes. Scrum. Now, the scrum, if you've ever, did anybody know what rugby is? So I, I didn't know how much detail. Okay. So the scrum, when they all lock together, right, it's just this big mass of dudes, and it looks like this, like, um, what is it? This is like this thing, like a living thing. It kind of moves and stuff like this, and they were trying to get the ball back. Well, on the rugby team, and, and what they're doing is they're trying to get the ball, and then they typically will try to get the ball out to what I would call the winger, but some of you, most of you would call it the winga, right? Is that right? Winga? So I don't know if that's Australian or British. I don't know. It's, it's all I got to work with today. So, but the idea is to get it out to the winger. And what he does, he's typically some skinny guy that can run super fast, and he just takes the thing, and he starts running for his life. Okay, why? Because all the big guys that could ball him up and crush him with, like, two fingers are tied up in this mess of men over here. And so they're moving out, and he's, they're trying to get out to him so he can try to get down the, the field. What would happen... 
If you were watching one of these games and the winger came out and got right up in the middle of the scrum, right in the front, exactly, you would start laughing, right? It's like, what is this skinny guy doing? He is going to be crushed like in two seconds. These guys are huge. These are big guys. And here with this little man, why don't we see him in that place? Because he has a role to play on the team. Is the winger an important person? Yeah. Right? Am I right in saying that? Anybody that can score on the field, right? Yeah. The guy can score, so he's important to the team, but he has to know what his role is. And he can be found on the field, even when he doesn't have the ball, even though he's not the center of what's happening, he's in his position ready, so when it's his time to run, dude, take it and run for your life. He knows what his role is. And in marriage, we both have roles. I'm going to have to go just a little bit longer here because I have a big hammer I have to hit on the guy's heads here too. So just be patient. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, this is a voluntary submission and not forced in any way. Okay? What we're speaking of is a voluntary submission. And submission does not imply that the wife is a lesser partner in the marital union. Also, and hopefully the ladies will say amen, it says submit to your own husband. Okay? You don't have to submit to anybody else's husband. It's just worry. Thanks. Submit to your own husband, right? Leanna says this often. So, um, submit to your own husband. Now, one other thing is as to the Lord. So, if you're trying, if you're saying you are submitted to God and you are not submitted to your husband, then you are not truly submitted to God. All right? And, and now I just want to say some things. What about cases where a husband is an unbeliever? What about cases of abuse? These are some things that submission is not. Submission is not agreeing on everything. Submission is not leaving your brain at the altar. Okay? You don't have to follow aimlessly or just do whatever. No. Use your brain. Use your thoughts. Tell your husband when things don't look good. Submission is not ceasing to make effort to influence your husband. Okay, ladies, I, I've been married long enough. I know it's not as long as some, but I've been married long enough to figure out you guys are smart people. Can I get an amen? Yes, thank you. Ladies, you guys are smart. You have lots of wisdom. For most of us guys, you put like a shiny object in front of us and we just chase it, all right? Oh, yeah, we're good at it, right? Yeah, but you guys will be like, hey, you know, there's a cliff up there. You might want to slow down a little bit. Oh, well, maybe I should. Listen to your wives. Wives, please share your wisdom. We need it. Submission is not putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. If your husband ever asks you or tells you to do anything that does not line up with the scripture, 
If your husband ever tells you, well, you need to come to my religion's place of worship, not yours, no. <laughs> Say yes to Jesus. Submission is not finding all scripture, or scripture, sorry, spiritual strength through the husband. And finally, submission is not living in fear. If you are living in fear, then that is not biblical submission. I remember when I, we were first married and it was a year or so maybe into it and I would get so frustrated a couple years into it. I would get frustrated because she wouldn't do what I told her to. I know it's hard to believe with Leanna, but um, she, she wouldn't. And I was just like asking just simple things. I mean, I wasn't asking for the moon or nothing. And I would get so frustrated because like, I'm so much bigger than you. I could like crush you right now, but I can't because the Bible tells me I'm not supposed to do that. What am I supposed to do? I had to go pray. I let God work it out. And now she's the beautiful wife that she is today. And I love her for it. But we should never lay hands on any woman and nor on our wives just to make them do what we tell them to. Which leads me into Ephesians 5, 25 through 32. And I'm going to plow some ground here, men. So stay with me. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am, I'm talking about Christ and the church. All right, one more for my final push here. Listen, for those who might have issues with Paul, ladies, just to back up a little bit as a male chauvinist, the fact that he is laying this kind of responsibility on men during this time period shows that it was unheard of. All parameters were placed on the women at this time. You have to do this. Woman has to do this. The woman has to do this. The woman has to do this. And the man can do whatever the heck he wants. I can say heck, right? It's okay, okay. Whatever they want to do. But here's Paul in his time saying no. You notice how much longer the men's bit is than the women's? I take that. And then it starts out with, you know, nothing big. Just, just love, love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Are you serious? That's sobering. Talk about pressure. We're supposed to love our spouse, our wife, as, as Christ loved the church? Yes, you are. In case you didn't know, welcome to the show. You are. The love here is continual love that it's speaking of. It's not passion or just family kind of love. It's the way that Christ loved the church as demonstrated through the giving of his life and he still loves today. Listen, I'm not talking about throwing yourself in front of a speeding car and push your wife out of the way. At least that's over in a couple seconds. It's a whole lot different when you have to love on an ongoing basis every single day, isn't it? Right? It's tough. It's hard. But we're called to do it. Why? Because we can do it through the power and the help of the Holy Spirit. This kind of love is deliberate. It's a deliberate attitude leading to action that concerns itself with another's well-being, someone besides ourself, all right? 
husband should love his wife as Christ loved the church, as our own body. We give up our personal right for the good of our wife, and it's a solemn picture of covenant love here. All right? With a love, we're supposed to love with a love that transcends all other human relationships. Men, oh my goodness, I'm going to preach. Listen, this is one of the biggest problems, is we put too many, way too many things in front of our wives. And I'm preaching to myself right now. That woman has been given to you by God as a gift. But we often overlook the gift that our wife is to us by putting other things, by putting our career, by putting our friends, by putting our entertainment, by putting our comfort before the woman that God has given us and blessed us with. And it's time Church, it's for men to stand up and to start standing up and to start being men and to start cherishing the gift that our wives are. A husband should learn to lead well. Let me give you a real practical thing. Can I give you something practical to walk away from this place with? This is a test. Who in your relationship between the husband and wife typically says, let's blank? Let's get ice cream. Let's go grocery shopping. Let's move. Let's do this. Let's do that. Who says it primarily? Some of you guys in here will say, well, I'm easy going. I don't care. Whatever she wants to do, I'll do. You know what? That's not leading. That's not leading. I'm an easy going guy too. Believe it or not, maybe hard to believe right now at this point, I'm an easy going guy. And I miss the mark sometimes, but I, I think, I hope my wife would agree that I, I'd lead my family. You know what else comes with leadership? Responsibility. Responsibility. If I make a decision, and we don't sit there, I don't sit there and dictate to her, this is what we're doing. Because I'm not, I, I value her. I say, honey, listen, I think this would be a good move for us. What do you think? And we discuss it. And I listen. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll do it the way she suggested because it's a better thought. I don't have a problem with that. Very few times in our marriage have I had, has it had to come down to, you know what, I feel like we're going to do this. I know you feel differently and we're going for it. Because the longer you're married and the longer you work at this, you become to think, you start to think the same. You start to move the same. You start to move in rhythm with each other. And so most of the time when I say stuff, she's like, yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. And that's because we have grown and we have worked at it in our relationship. So I want you to think about that today when you leave this place. Let's what? And who says it the most? It's not a, this is not some die, you know, if, if the other person says it the most, it's not, I'm not saying it's, you know, life or death or anything, but it's a good gauge and you'll notice it. And finally, as we wrap up here, Ephesians 5 and 33 and basically, it wraps it up for us. It says, to sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. This is not a popular message in today's culture and society. It's just not. Because there is this misunderstanding, as I've said, of, you know, if somebody's leading, that somehow the person, other person's you know, less. I hope 
that wives are not saying, man, I, I really wish I was the husband. And husbands, I don't think you're saying, man, I really wish I was the wife. <laughs> Pushing out some children, right? Yeah? No, thanks. I'm good. We all have our, we have our roles. It's, it's, and it's been abused. Don't get me wrong. I understand that it has been abused. And it's not always perfect. But we find that God has shown us that, hey, this is how it works. This is the best. This is the way I've made it. Again, he could have left Adam by himself in the garden. But he's like, dude, you need some help, man. Let me help you out. Or you're going to kill yourself. Here, here's a, here's a woman. And you guys can do this together and you can work together. When I was in the military, I was, I, I was a, as I went up through ranks and I was a staff sergeant, you know, I was a leader. I, I led troops. And if you ever have to, to basically point to your collar, so to speak, as we would say in the military, where your rank was at that time, then you're probably doing something wrong. If you are a leader and you ever have to use that as like the card to make somebody do something, because true leaders will find a way to connect with the people that they are following them, and those people will want to follow them. There were men, there were guys that were above me, one of my platoon sergeants. I would have followed that guy straight into any kind of battle because he was a leader, and I respected him, and he cared about me. He showed he cared about me and my family many times, and I would have followed that guy to the ends of the earth. I promise you. He said, you know, hey, we need to go charge towards the bullets. All right, let's go. I got your back. Why? Because he was a great leader. And so husbands, be great leaders. And wives, support your husbands because it's, it's voluntarily. If submission is not forced. It's something that's given. And one other thing that I always say often too, Submission's easy when you both agree, <laughs> right? Submission is easy when you both agree. But if you ever come to that place where a decision is made and your husband is like, I really feel like we should do this, I would challenge you, wives, encourage and support. Like, you know what? I don't, I don't know this is gonna be the best, but we'll follow you. I'll, we'll go, we'll do it. My wife has done that so many times. That's why we're in this country. Hey, how's Kuwait sound? <laughs> Woo! She's here, and she's persevered in less than optimal situation for years, and I'm grateful. I love you. Thanks. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for today. I thank you for this message of, God, just your plan for husbands and wives, God, and I pray that where we have missed the mark, be it the wives or the husbands, Lord, this, that we would be quick to repent, God, that you would just reveal to us, God, areas in our life where we need to come in line with your word. God, I, I, I am thankful that you created men and women. God, that we are different. God, that you have blessed this earth, Lord, with, with many different kinds of people. God, that we are all created in your image, that we are your image bearers, Father. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you have made uh, the marriage union between man and woman, God, to such a, a beautiful thing. And, and when it's operating properly and we're doing what we're supposed to do, God, it's beautiful. And it's really an image of our relationship with you. And God, I thank you that we have this opportunity to live out 
uh, uh, this demonstration of what your word says and, and this re- kind of relationship that we, our marriages can be really a witness and a testimony, Lord, to many people of, of who you are and our, the potential relationship that we can have with you. God, and I thank you for that. I thank you for each person here, and I pray that we leave this place not just thinking that we heard a great message, but that, God, we go and we apply it to our lives. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.